son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Have you no sense of decency, sir, at long last? Have you left no sense of decency? I wrote a joke this morning. Let's hear it. Okay. <clears throat> What's the Hamburglar's favorite David Bowie song? I got nothing. Rebel, Rebel. Ah. <laughs> I, I wrote it down. I looked at it. I said, this is solid. I'm, I'm going to use it on the show. Dave's rolling. Welcome to Abandoned Albums, the documentary podcast where we take a look at some albums that may have been forgotten about over time, and even some albums you just may never have heard of. I'm your host, Keith R. Higgins. Now, I love music, not because I'm a musician, but because I'm a fan. I'm joined today by Rob Janicki, writer and creator of the mixed media project Generation Riff. Hey, Keith, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. So let me ask you, before we jump into things, what exactly is Generation Riff? Generation Riff is an idea that I had for a book, but then it morphed into this mixed media project where I'm exploring and talking about the 30 years between 1991 and 2021. The music, the culture, 1991 was one of the benchmark years for culture and society. Were you just going to zero in on music or will you be covering films, television? That's a great question. It's going to focus on music for the most part, but absolutely, we're, we're talking about fashion, um, film, books, anything that happened during that time. So all of the different entertainment or media that, that happened in those 30 years um, and its effect on culture and society. That sounds great, Rob. So where can folks go to check out Generation Riff? Generationriff.com and all the links to all the social media sites and accounts are on there. On this episode of Abandoned Albums, we're looking at the self-titled debut album by the Los Angeles-based quartet Czar. 
the modern drug for pain. It is special antacids that activate the pain reliever by speeding it into your bloodstream straight to the pain. It's worth it. Czar is Jeff Whalen on vocals and guitar, Daniel Kern on guitar and vocals, Jeff Solomon on bass, and Steve Coulter on drums. Rob and I sat down with Czar frontman Jeff Whalen. I'm going to open the gates and just ask, how did you guys come together? We went to college at UC Santa Barbara, which is a party school. That's the first thing people ask me. Is it a party school? You go, you go yeah, it is, man. I had a band with Jeff Solomon, the bass player, called the Brothers Steve. And then Dan, our guitar player, and Steve Coulter, the drummer, they had a band called The Wonderfuls. We both thought the other band was really cool. We would play shows together, and, and we became friends. And then we, we started like a million different bands, sometimes that day, perform that night. So you might have a band where you're doing rock opera based on, you know, Empire Strikes Back or whatever. But like you wrote it that day. Things like that. And when we got out of college, we went our separate ways for a while. Me and Dan had first moved to L.A., uh, Dan, the guitar player. We had first moved to L.A., and we, we didn't know we didn't know anybody. And we just stayed in our apartment. Uh, and then Jeff Solomon, who had been living in San Francisco, our bass player, joined the band. We needed a drummer, and Steve Coulter joined the band. And then forms are. Once we got up and running, we played like two shows, and we got like a, an indie record offer, and then... Just a few more shows we had, you know, a bidding war happening. I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, it was this really weird thing. Um, I recommend that to any any, <laughs> any aspiring musician. That's that's a real fun time. The sound of the album, just from talking to you and listening to you talk for a few minutes now, I can hear your personality seems to come out through the music so easily. Oh. Is that something that was... It's contagious, I guess, so it, it probably happens organically, but are the other guys in the band in the same mindset as you? Because it's a great record, but it's, it's really fun. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I mean, we're all, we're, we're all complicated people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's different sides to us. I mean, like, like that album, man, I, that album was, like, say for the songs, like, I don't know what happened. Because, like, things weren't going great or anything. We didn't have jobs, as far as I remember. And we did this thing where we, we went to a guitar center and, like, bought all this equipment on credit card. Because you could take it back within, you know, 30 days and return it. And so we got all this stuff, and then we were going to record our, our masterpiece. 
and then return all the stuff. So we had like 30 days to write and record this thing called called Drug Boy. And uh, that was going to be the name of the band. That was going to be the name of the record, Drug Boy. Um, because everybody, that's, what's everybody's favorite band? It's Drug Boy. So that was the idea. So um, we recorded, uh, we wrote and recorded like a bunch of the songs uh, that became the first Zar album um, as Drug Boy, just me and Dan. I can't really quite express how fun and, and confident the experience was. Like it was, it just felt like it was, and I think it was undeserved in every way. We had, we didn't have like a bunch of um, positive uh, data to, 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 to justify our confidence. And we didn't, but for whatever reason, it just felt like this is going to happen. This is great. This is easy and fun. And it all was, it always was, was super easy and, and optimistic, but that in no way sums up the personality of the band. <laughs> because we're also just brutally cynical and brutally uh, sensitive. The reason you're doing all this stuff is to live like, to live like a cliche, you know, like you want, or I, I, I did, I wanted like the full rock and roll experience. I want <laughs> Without the addiction and death, I hope. No, all of it. I, I, it was fine. <laughs> I was like, if that's what happens, oops, or whatever, I'm, you know, that's just as good as anything else. We wanted, like, the cigar chomping manager. These kids are whatever. You know, we wanted that guy. I remember an uncle of mine whom I love very much. He liked to smoke cigars. And each time he took one out, he asked me the same question. Do you like music? Yes, I'd say. Well then, here's a band for you. We wanted somebody who like stole all our money. <laughs> <laughs> but our manager was he had he had just finished with no doubt during the the, the tragic kingdom period. Uh, he had been like Jane's addiction manager during like the creation of Lollapalooza and stuff. And he was, well, he was this guy and he didn't have cigars, but he started like uh shopping us around and it was just like took like three days so did rob cavallo sign you because that's i mean that's a i know he produced the record i mean that's just an incredible get yeah no i know rob cavallo is a multi-grammy award-winning producer and record company executive some of the artists he's worked with over the years include green day black sabbath dave matthews band and alanis morissette the albums that he's been involved with over the years have sold a collective 130 million copies worldwide he produced the czar debut album there was a club in L.A. called the Opium Den, and we, we played the show there, and he was there. And you're meeting all these people, and, you know, we didn't know. So Rob Cavallo came to our show, talking to me backstage about rock and roll, about the idea of rock and roll. And we were talking about uh, the suite, and he said that, that he thought that Love is Like Oxygen was by Pilot when he was a kid. That was a pretty cool conversation to have with anybody, because like yeah. I don't I don't walk around having, oh I see what you're saying. You're saying that that era suite sounds like sounds like magic by Pilot kind of. Okay, this is a conversation I can have. I and I remember like Jason Faulkner was at the show. It was like it was like suddenly it was like mm. it was out of the blue. Suddenly you're like talking to all these people, and having like cool conversations that that just regularly cool. And then the manager would come and say, uh, it would take you away from that person because you had talked to them for too long and now you got to talk to like Steve Jones or you got to talk to, you know, Rodney Bingenheimer. 
<laughs> who just wanted to discuss hair. And he was very impressed when I told him that I cut my own hair. And then he told me to go to his person. Rodney looks like he cuts his own hair. No, it only looks that way. It's, it's more, there's more to it than it seems, I think. Yeah, that, that's the genius behind it, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm, that third double martini was starting to get to me. It's a good thing the waiter brought food. And you recorded this record at the same studio where Broken Homes recorded theirs. We recorded uh, by half the album at a place called Ocean Way. And that place is just ridiculous, you know, the the aura of it, you know, you know, this is where, uh, you know, it all happened back, you know, and like it's, it's literally like Gwen Stefani coming in. It's 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 like, oh, there's uh, Diane Warren. And then but then in terms of the let's call it the overdub work, which 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 took like 90 percent of the recording of the album um, that happened at Bay seven, which, you know, is a very fine uh, but not particularly famous, where, I don't know, Rat did something or something. In terms of, of uh, Ocean Way, it's like virtually any album was recorded there. Quite a legacy there. I have to ask this because I've been dying to ask it. Who is Kathy Fong and why is she the bomb? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> I don't know uh, how people write songs ever. One of the things that I do is that I write song titles occur to me in my brain. That's, that's why I'm indicating my brain right now. And I write them down on a piece of paper, put it in my pocket, and then never think about it again. Throw the paper away, maybe... There's just a whole bunch of pieces of paper in my pocket right now. I was working a temp job at the Wells Fargo building in downtown L.A. And I was doing the night shift and I had to wear a tie. And you'd be there at like on the 64th floor and three in the morning and stuff. I just the phrase Kathy Fong is the bomb popped into my head and I wrote it down on a post-it and I put it in my pocket. I was at the apartment with Dan, and we were listening to the T-Rex album, The Slider. And I was noting, like, because, like, T-Rex is amazing, and so often it's these really predictable chord progressions, and it just keeps coming at you with the same thing until it becomes, I don't know. So I was like, why are we doing all this really complicated stuff? Let's just do the Metal Guru chorus, and then we'll, uh, I got this in my pocket. And then so that's how it started. That's how the song started. And then as far as who it is, we were in um, in Los Feliz, which is a part is next to Silver Lake in Hollywood. 
there was this little strip uh, mall area that had um, this really old uh, day drinking bar called Ye Rustic Inn, and it had a record store called Eastside Records. Eastside Records was a weird record store, but I got some like really key stuff there. I remember I got uh, Shampoo, the album by the band Shampoo, called We Are Shampoo, on cassette there. Just a, a bunch of weird records there. Uh, there was a girl that worked there. It was fun to talk about that girl. And it was fun to, like, you know, especially, like, roommates. Oh, is that girl going to be there? And I felt like sometimes I thought she, she thought that we were stealing things and stuff. Anyway, so that's that's who it, the song became to be about. I've heard from Kathy Fong's uh, throughout the world. Because if, if your name is Kathy Fong, someone you know knows somebody who is going to play the song. So That's a great story. And it's a great song. Thank you. Um, that, that's one of my favorites, too. I think my favorite, though, um, might be Silver Shifter overall. I know from reviews and just kind of listening, like it got kind of put into the glam bucket. And glam bucket. That was almost our name. That <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad name. That song isn't isn't um, I wouldn't call that a glam song. And then you've got uh, Fradio. Is that am I pronouncing that one right? A radio, yeah. It's like That's radio, a... man, but it's like scary. So it's like a radio. We were gonna like we're gonna have a sequel to that one, <laughs> Scario. And... I think we lost Rob. Well, it, it, that's a up hard rock. Am I, am I? You're breaking up. Son of a bitch. All right, let me see. Hold on. It's like a found footage movie. <laughs> Much better. Okay. All right. It was the glam bucket question, right? It, yeah, because we were talking about the songs and, and the album on a whole, and I was, you know, it got that term or it, it fell into the, you know, the glam rock uh, bucket. And I'll keep using that, I guess. Plenty of songs on there that are just really good rock songs. So was there an intention? I mean, you know, you're talking about T-Rex and obviously there's that influence. Was there an intention to write, you know, different styles on the record and, and kind of make it a little bit different so because it, it probably the time that you wrote this the time this came out that was the whole new metal thing going on and you guys were obviously so much different and you were not going with the times which is great so was it intentional you know to write a few different styles no i mean it was it, i mean we didn't have any kind of intentionality beyond like it was it, the idea was to make and i know this is whatever but like it was to make like a really great record like in a great record kind of way you know, you don't get the opportunity to make your first major label album very often. I remember early on, Rob Cavallo said, so do you want to make like just an, uh, we'll just like plug you guys in and just have you go and just make a really stripped down record. I said, I said, no, I said, <laughs> I said, let's make a really produced album. Let's like try to make it like as like as albumy as I don't know what's got classic rock or whatever, but like in the world of like, these albums, like a like timeless album of that, some rock and roll thing that never existed, that always kind of did exist kind of thing. That was the yeah. feeling that I wanted to do out of desperation, I guess. <laughs> just do that. But uh, the glam rock thing always just seemed like rock and roll to me. You know, with Silver Shifter, I would say we were trying to make like a kind of a glam rock, but the cars or something. <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time at the time denying that we were a glam rock band 
my brother said to me that only a glam rock band would spend this much time denying they were a glam rock band. That like were like power pop often, or which but nobody said. Nobody said that at the mm -hmm. time. I mean, there's there's elements of a lot of different things going on, uh, and you know we wanted we didn't want to be in this for good or bad. We didn't want to be categorized with anybody. I, mean, I remember getting pressure that we should have like a DJ go whick, 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 on a couple songs or whatever, because that was the time. Yeah, you, it you, was. You 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 didn't just like make like a regular rock record at that right. time. I don't know if we were supposed to you know go. Well, I'm a silver shifter, and <laughs> you know, well, look, you know, a bunch of bands are really famous, and they're not very good, and mm -hmm. so I figured like we could do that too, um, <laughs> just accidentally, you know, or you know, it was just a timing thing. You mentioned timing, and Keith and I have talked about this. I completely believe in the whole timing factor when it comes to music, because a great song is a great song, and great songwriting is great songwriting. That's timeless. So there are great songs on this record, and that doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't change. But the time that it came out, I'm not surprised they asked you to get a DJ and try to scratch something out and, and sound a little bit like that. We wanted to do this thing that would not go, oh, this album is so 2000, right? Or this album is right. so whatever. And so that part was conscious, but in terms of like making it, you know, uh, different styles to, to pro project some sort of particular image, we totally failed at that. No one knew how to pronounce our name. No one knew what kind of music mm. we played. We weren't part of anything that you could say, oh, they're kind of like this, which is also happening. It wasn't any of that. We thought maybe we could judo that into to our advantage, maybe. Like, here's something that's totally different. Because like like our manager was pretty good at, at doing these bands that were huge, but kind of doing their own thing, you know, Jane's Addiction or whatever, you know, like, so we wanted to kind of like go, oh, let's do that. Let's like just be our own thing and not worry about where we fit in. I'm a guy who likes to work on my car. I like to take it apart and put it back together. I get to working on it and forget where I am, what time it is. You don't forget to smoke though. I always smoke when I work. We were at our rehearsal studio, and Rob Cavallo was there, and we had a phone. This is just, just, just before cell phones. Every, I mean, they had cell phones, but not everybody had them. We had a phone in our rehearsal room, and uh, and it was a call for Rob Cavallo, and it was what's his name from Duran Duran was on the phone. Um, Nick, uh, why can't why can't I think of his name? Nick um, Rhodes. Nick Rhodes. That's it. That's it. Duran Duran. 
is a band of the top tier, in my opinion, a top five mm-hmm. band for me, honestly. Um, great. Yeah. Nick Rhodes was on the film, and he's like, hello, it's Nick Rhodes, right? <laughs> and so, uh, and I, and it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's Nick Rhodes wants to talk to Rob Cavallo. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm here with Czar, this great new young band. They're going to be huge. They're big fans of yours. Maybe we should send you guys out on tour. Nobody thought it was the coolest thing to do. Other people and bands that we knew cautioned us against it. But they weren't being asked to go on tour with Duran Duran. So some guy at some bar and some band going like, you guys shouldn't do it, man. It's not cool. You should do something else. And then you, you go like, you know, okay, dude. We agonized over this, uh, whether we should go on tour with them. But, and it's weird, dude, because it was so great. It was so great. It was so great. Um, was it bad for our career? Probably. And yeah. yet, even now, it's at, we all remember it really fondly. If my mom wants to impress somebody, one of her friends, it's that we toured with Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you do? It's, I mean, I remember just going, fuck. You know, and I, I still do that if I think about it too much. It was, it was this weird thing where, where we were like, everything was going great, and then it came out and didn't do anything. And then we were like totally left to our own uh, shame and self and other recrimination, infighting, outfighting. It's so weird when, when it just ends. I got a call on the phone and it was the LA Times and I thought they wanted to talk to me about Czar, but they wanted to know about whether I wanted to subscribe. And I, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, oh no. It's, 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 it's over. <laughs> you may as well show Mr. Dollar to the door. Goodbye, Mrs. Ballin. Oh, and maybe you'd better phone the insurance company about the extra fee I'm to get on this case. Oh, I did. Right after Higgins told me he'd called them. But if he's giving up the case, dear... Show him to the door, Harold. Uh, yes. This way, Mr. Dollar. Yeah. Thanks. What other projects do you have going on? Right now, I I have this project with Dan from Czar. Um, he plays drums in it, and he's a wolfman. And I play bass, and I'm mummy. And then, yeah, my friend Dylan from this band, uh, Shapes of Race Cars, is he's Dracula. He plays guitar. And then my friend uh, John Ojaka, he's got his own career, is, is Frankenstein. And we play, like, bubblegum music. That's wrapping up. That's interesting. Oh yeah, it's good. It's really, it's really bubblegummy. It's really like '60s bubblegummy monkeys, Archies, mm-hmm. but with its own thing too. This this started as like a drunken uh, party talk kind of thing, and you know, most of the things like we should have a band that's like this is like you know, you wake up the next day and go, that was a funny thing to say, but this one was like that was a funny thing to say, and let's actually do it. And, um, and so we we started this thing some time ago and we was going to be like a tv show and we got like a production deal and stuff and it was like looking like it was going to happen and then you know life is what happens when you're trying to dress up like a mummy sing pop songs you know and what was the conceit of a show with the mummy and Frankenstein and? Yeah, it's like the monkeys, like, but it's we're classic movie monsters. We're all living in an apartment in L.A. trying to make it in music. That, that sounds funny, actually. I like that. It's pretty good. We filmed some stuff. 
we're talking about like the mommy has a mustache, you know, because he thinks we need a gimmick or whatever. And we're talking about <laughs> being a mummy isn't gimmick enough. Yeah, no, this mustache is like you know, not, it's like that's great. I think it's a sexy hook. I think it's like you know, it's like that kind of thing. I mean, the music it, it's what I'm I'm just as proud of this as as like virtually anything else I've ever done. And I think it'll make a certain group of people extremely excited. And uh, <laughs> beyond that, I don't really know what's going to happen with it. But uh, we're finishing that up now. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. When can we expect that? Because I'm actually this sounds actually really funny. Um, I would. I think. I think we're gonna try to do it by Halloween. I guess we we just gotta mix like three. We we gotta finish up these like three songs and then figure out how it's gonna come out. But yeah, Halloween should absolutely be the release yeah. date of this. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. I'm sorry, I can't shake the image of the mummy with a mustache. Yeah, no, it's hard to you know they have a photo shoot coming up, so he's like they're trying to convince him or not. Uh, it's called uh, Monster Squad. There's like there are a bunch of things called the Monster Squad, which you know they go. There's already been like four bands called the Monster Squad and three TV shows and a movie, and then I go, and that's why we can use it. Exactly. Look at all the other things that have used it. It worked. Why not? Yeah. So you know we'll see what happens. It's been a project that I've I've been wanting to finish uh, since we since we started it, and it's yeah it's good. And then um, I'm there's going to be. A new solo album from me. I would like to, you know, work on a czar thing, but um, oh. Dan, he like lives on a farm and stuff, and I we don't I don't get to talk to him as much as as I'd like to, you know. It's out of town, you know. These farms, they get these out of town farms, <laughs> and I don't want him to say I don't want to say Dan can't live on a farm. Come back to town, unless hang out. <laughs> um. But that's his thing. So, yeah, I just wanted to follow up on a solo record. Is that coming out? I haven't recorded it yet, and I, I want it to be like, um, you know, have a body of work, so that if someone, if this, if this were to ever happen, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. so somebody could go like, oh, hey, there's like a whole bunch of stuff here. So, Sar is still operational. The band is still. We never broke up, but um, it's one of these things where you. It's taken on for ourselves in our, our personal stuff is it's it has a, a brand association with our in our souls that like, you know, it's funny because like I think we could all get together and play on my solo record and like be the band the whole time. And it would be like easy if I said like like the last day, ha ha, it was a czar record the whole time. Then they'd go, hey, but if we went in and said this is a czar record. It would be a, it's like a whole different mindset. It's it's really weird how these things work. It's like a family dynamic. That's that's. I'm I'm sure there are books written about about band dynamics and how these emotional relationships. Because you're you're you you put your dreams and your time and everything with these people, and they're your friends, and it's it's uh, it's just really intense. Also, really boring the shared endeavor and it's uh it's un it's an unusual thing and, and it has associations and, and implications in in your relationship with them that is a it's really it's a lifetime relationship whether or not you're talking with them <laughs> when you when you when you are in a band like that yeah i don't know how much longer we have but i i need to pee and I, I, we can edit that out
Great segue. Um, <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for your time. SAR is still just sort of on ice at the moment. It's on ice. It tastes great. You know, it's refreshing in the afternoon. It was a lot of fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, I, I yeah, uh, awesome. please edit uh, everything out. Um, all of me out. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a five minute podcast. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and uh, now I have to kind of go through and think of all the people I have to make sure don't listen to this. It was excellent. We really appreciate the time, and uh, it was a lot I'm of looking fun. forward. I'm looking forward to what what you've got coming out. Yeah, totally. So we should stay in touch and, and let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to some of that when that happens. And I'll drop a note once I get this edited and, and get, get it ready to put up. And Beautiful. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great Thanks one. Thanks so much, man. You too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. You too. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Ira Elliott from Not A Surf. This is Laura Bethy to Neptuna from the Neptunas. This is Sherry Page from Thick. This is John Worcester from Superchunk, the Mountain Goats, and the Bob Mold Band. You can check out my list of five punk songs that will make you a better drummer in the new book, Forbidden Beat, Perspectives on Punk Drumming, from Rare Bird Books. Buy it if you consider yourself my friend. That was too harsh, wasn't it? Forbidden Beat, Perspectives on Punk Drumming. Abandoned Albums was recorded at Sage Sound Studios in Shelton, Connecticut. Produced and written by Keith R. Higgins and Rob Janicki. Engineered and mixed by Nathan Sage. Original music by Mike Pellegrino. The songs you heard during this podcast were I Don't Want to Break Up, Kathy Fong is the Bomb, and Silver Shifter. They can all be found on Zara's self-titled debut album. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. At Twitter, we are at Abandoned Albums, and on Instagram, we are at Abandoned underscore Albums. Many thanks to Jeff Whalen and the rest of Zara. S.W. Loudon, Rob Janicki, Nathan Sage, Mike Pellegrino, Thorina Bella, and our executive producer, Rufus Thunderlove. He would not refer to it as selling out. He would refer to it as buying in. I don't know that there's selling out anymore. I don't think it's... It's, it's weird, because like, I, I wouldn't want to be in like a, like a herpes commercial. <laughs> And now, until we meet again next time, I remain, as always, obediently yours. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? 
Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.